Welcome to the Comedy on Edge Presents a Chat Show. I'm your host, Mark Williamson. Hello, new listeners. Hello, old listeners. Hello, listeners. And joining me today is re- old-time listeners will know him as World's Worst Sound Guy. New listeners will get to know him as World's Worst Sound Guy. <laughs> Lester Diamond, how are you? I'm wonderful, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, we're, in, we're, in, we're not at Edge HQ, are we? We're it's good to be out of the uh, of the, of the, of the dungeon. So I know. We've, we've left Ryan there to do a spring clean. <laughs> um, so that's nice. But we're, we should... We are we are in the, we're in a green room. Well, it's more white, but yeah. What's well, what? But it's te- it is a green room. It's we're about to do a gig. We are at Zago Bar in Lane Cove, and it's Comedy on Edge's new Thursday night monthly room. That we haven't actually got a name for it yet, but this is the third show, and it's actually sold out tonight, Lester. And you're performing. Are you excited? I'm very excited to uh, to perform to my fellow North Shore brethren. Your breath, that's right. So for the listeners interstate, Lane Cove is on the lower North Shore. The North Shore of Sydney's kind of like for Melbourne listeners like Turak. For does Brisbane have a? I don't know Brisbane well enough to say <laughs> that. I don't know. Is it Ipswich Heights? Ipswich Heights, Upper Logan, or I, I don't know. I've been to Brisbane once, and I didn't. I didn't get to know the local. Is it topography or is that? See, this is where rich people live. I'm a poor person that lives. Like yeah, I drove on the way people. here. I drove past your abode. I don't know how you afford it. Like, you know, it's do, do you you hustle? Do they pay more your hustles in the North Shore? Would well, you see that red light out the front? <laughs> <laughs> Lester, I'm an attorney at law, and here we are. So we're in a green room. It's pretty luxurious. Now you may hear a little bit of background noise. I don't know. I I don't think you will. Next door to the bar is a gymnasium, and f- we're recording this at five o'clock, which is. Apparently, is it aerobics these days or Pilates? What do they do, Lester? It looks like aerobics, Oz-style, combined with MILF Hunter. <laughs> there you go, MILF Hunter. So, what we're doing a bit of, I've got, we've got to get this podcast quick so Lester can go do some MILF hunting. <laughs> but here we are. But it's, I learned recently, Lane Cove is, it's sort of the more affordable into the North Shore. Like, it's affectionately known as Lana Cove <laughs> by the locals. <laughs> Um, I don't know, I think that's its traditional Aboriginal name. Um, uh, there's no Tajay here, funnily enough, but it's good to be on the road, isn't it? Like, it's good to be here, like, over. Always fun to have road trips. It is true, and this time, normally road trip episodes are in a car, but tonight we're in a green room, and it, it's pretty spacious. Like, we've got a green room here, we've got an esky full of drinks, we've got a TV, we've got pretty comfy chairs, what more could you want? I'm someone funny, I don't know. Some, well, well uh, the other acts will turn up <laughs> shortly, so, and actually it's a pretty good bill, um... For those long-term listeners, our new listeners, if you go back and listen, the, tonight's show, your MC is Subby Valentine. Genius. He's been on the show before. I think he's one of the earlier episodes. And the headline act's Mr. Tommy Dean. Bonafide one of, He's been on the, I think he's been on the episode with Julia Wilson very early on. Check them out. Very funny. And you're on the bill. There's a bit of pressure, isn't it? Genius, yeah. A genius. <laughs> you're on first, mate. So in the immortal world, I'm just going to give you some advice. Don't fuck up. <laughs> Because it's going to be really awkward because this room's going to be going monthly. And, you know, if you're, I'm, you're I have gonna, to live here for Christ's sake. Oh, you have to live. But the other thing, too, is like, I can't really say, hey, Lester, come down to Lane Cove. We'll podcast before the show. And you might go, oh, can I perform? And I'm like, no, mate, no. <laughs> but anyway, so that's enough about the gig. How you been? What's been happening? Well, I've been great. I've um, been looking forward to this. Been uh, staying out of trouble, so to speak. Been watching a bit of. Um, I don't know, a lot of sports and a lot of entertainment, that's my thing, right? But well, I mean, it is Cricket World Cup, is that your modus operandi or is there some other, is it, I don't know, Latvian throat wrestling <laughs> or? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not a Cricket World Cup man, but not? Um, I'm a test cricket man. Test, see, I like test, but I, I like test, I've got, I like all. Test's my favourite, but I follow the World Cup. Yeah, I'm one of these dickheads that's like like 60-year-old in a 30-year-old body, you know? It's like, like uh, 
it's fucking guys in pajamas running around a field. What's going on? But anyway, um, just like sports in general is giving me the shits lately. Like people that are hanging on too long in careers, but like there's two schools of thought with this, right? An extra two years of half a million dollars a year to play football or something like that. Like, is it worth it for your for your legacy to be tarnished? Well, that 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 is a tough question because I mean, like, you could argue, and cricket's probably the sport where people do hang on longer. Like with foot, with rugby, oh, you're a league fan. I'm an AFL fan. With AFL, funnily enough, once you get to thirty, you go on to one year contracts. That's a great system. Yeah, but I mean, unless of course you're Lance Franklin, in which case you're, you know, Lance <laughs> Buddy Franklin. You're on. I think you're, his contract goes till he's fifty-five. I think he goes on one-year contracts with cars. Yeah, he crashed a jeep. He crashed a jeep. <laughs> a one-week contract. But I mean, like, take this for instance. We're comedians, and I mean, for me, I lo- I, I love getting up, having a laugh. But I mean, for us, we can go long. Like the average sportsman, what thirty-five years. Well, done? comedy's different because you don't need any physical attributes. If anything, they, they hinder you. So uh, it's, it's true. <laughs> like, Good-looking people. Even don't. a guy like friend of the show Peter Mizell. I mean, I mean, he's basically 130 years old and he's still going strong. Yeah. Oh, Strong's a you know. He, he well, get, the, well, Don Rickles. There's, yeah, but I mean, there's just compare. Like, say, I'm trying to think of any. Can you give me an example of someone who you think's gone on too long in sports? I know. Well, you see it in. But what about Michael Clark for, at the moment? Like Michael Clark, he's 33. But he's probably got the body of a 50-year-old. Like, he's got back, hamstrings. See, I'm not worried about Michael Clark because of the bullshit he put us through in his early career being the biggest douchebag that ever drew breath. Um, I don't care if they have to wheel him out. He's still averaging over 50. Fuck, let, let him play. <laughs> yeah, but see, I'm arguing in the World Cup, he's holding us back. He's selfishness. I think the team is a better team with, without him in it. Well, if he can't run, he can't play one-day cricket. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, for me, I like Clark. He's in the test team, and I'd like to see him go on. I think cricket needs. I think cricket's almost at the stage where you need separate teams. Like you should almost like Clark should only be allowed to play tests. I remember the days when Mark Taylor was your test opener. My favourite player, Mark Tubby Taylor, Tubby. Mark Tubby Taylor, and the um and the opening batsman for the one day team, and he had a strike rate of about fifteen. <laughs> I remember. Do you remember him getting man of the match? It was a rain shortened match. He scored six runs, but he took four catches in slips and they gave him man of the match for it. It was one, one of the only times you've gotten for fielding that he got man of the match. Well, but back to the um, going on too long theme, like a guy like Eddie Murphy, for example, who was the funniest guy in the 80s, like hands down. Yeah. Had the two biggest specials, massive movie stuff. I think, I think you could argue, actually, I'm going to say, like I, I rate my dream comedy gig, if I... Got to book one. I want to see Eddie Murphy live. It was the first comedy special I saw. It was my favourite. To this day, Eddie Murphy Raw. I know people like Delirious better. I like Raw. It stands out like it's my favourite special. But I'm going to argue with you that... Sure, if you like homophobia and racism. but you yeah, know. Well, yeah, well, it, it, was, it was a different time, Lester. It was a different time. No, no you're right. Like stand-up, some stand-up, some of his doesn't date well. But and I think the one that does and it stands up extra well, and I'm going to post this on the Facebook page of Comedy on Edge. Join the group, Eddie Murphy's story about Bill Cosby. Oh yeah, that is brilliant. And in light of the allegations that have happened recently, it's and because he's pretty much telling Eddie Murphy for being too fil- for being too filthy. It's like, well, Eddie never raped anyone. Sure, there was that incident with the prostitute, but I'm pretty sure they were consenting adult. Well, he was just driving her home. He was just giving her a lift. But the yeah, but I. But Eddie, you're right, Eddie Murphy, he moved. But then again, you could argue that his movies, did well, he yeah. go on too long with them? Like, there, you, there you go as well. I mean, um, 
I haven't seen Norbitor, Dave, but well, pretty much panned. But I suppose if you make hundred million dollars in profit sharing off the first one, why not make a sequel? You know, like. it's true. But I mean, you look at and the other one, like Steve Martin, was a brilliant comedian. He was a little, he was more seventies, early eighties. But he sort of got got to stadiums and then hung it up. He's never come See, back. You, you gotta have a lot of respect for that. It's like the Smiths. Um, they had two great albums or whatever, and then. Knocked it on the head. Morrissey still performs. You get you can still get your Morrissey fix. So this is my embarrassing for all you music nerds out there. You can laugh and sneer at me. I heard when Triple J, I listened to it. They always used to talk about the Smiths. The Smiths. I just assumed it was an abbreviation of Aerosmith. <laughs> Everyone's saying this critically acclaimed band. I thought it was Aerosmith, and everyone said, "Oh, Morrissey was in the Smiths." And I go, "Really? What?" Well, did he stand in when Joe Perry was in rehab? I didn't know. I, sp- I reckon there's some LA drug dealers that just marked him down as the Smith, um, <laughs> Steve Tyler. <laughs> yeah, Steve Tyler. Those. Yeah, but no, you're right. Like, but it's. I mean, it's like British sitcoms, for instance. I love Black Books, Faulty Towers, Faulty Towers. There are twelve episodes. That's, That's it. Yeah. Black bottom. Books, twelve episodes. Bottom. Get in, get out. Like, I would love. But part of me is like, I would love another season. But then it's like, no, would I? Like, it's, a, it's the age old thing. I mean, how much is enough? Yeah. A great you on my side. Great you on my side. It's on the same, same thoughts. Speaking of going on too long. No, ne- don't. Blasphemy, blasphemy. I love you, Timmy. I love you. Yeah, we, me too, Timmy. Stay with us, buddy. Um, yeah, let's leave that one alone. But the... Um... <laughs> Hopefully future guest, Tim Rogers, will just leave that alone. No, but you're right. But it's a case of like with sports, I think it's a tough... I mean, I think in, I think in AFL, that's my knowledge base... You know, like you know, when you can't go on, when you know you're not, you, you can't keep up with your time trials. Maybe with the shorts, like when the testicles dr- drop yeah, below the yeah, when the, when, they're, when they're when they're sagging down, <laughs> it's too long. But your rugby league, I mean, my knowledge, you can just stand there and pretend you're tackling. Well, no, if you can't raise your fist to your wife, like you know, <laughs> it's time to give it up. You know, or you know, if you know, if you if you think you're a bit too old for to go to schoolies, it's probably <laughs> it's probably it's probably too late. I just saw a headline today, um, well, recently anyway. Greg Bird um, is going to be coming back to Sydney after his contract expires on the Gold Coast, and I've just uh, cold sweat come over me. What's well, I didn't see that. What Greg? For those who don't know, um, our international listeners, Google Greg Bird glass girlfriend. That should say it all. <laughs> Actually, you say that I was I had to I had, was writing an article today for the Un Australian and. What's that? The Un-Australian, we've mentioned a few times, it's a satirical website that Commandant Edge produces. It's at theunaustralian.net. And I was writing a story about NRL players and I couldn't think of the name of the guy who got who had pictures of himself taken with a dog. I just remembered he played... John Monaghan. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't, couldn't remember his surname. I just So in my Google search, it was Joel Canberra NRL dog. And then the story came up. <laughs> so I think you can, we can almost play a game there where, like, you can, if you've got a bit of, don't do it at office times because you, you might get some really offensive. But, yeah. I saw a, um, a branding, like, uh, list of, like, sort of the most tarnished brands and the NRL logo was just below the SWAS sticker. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to admit, David Gallup, now, for those, um, we, we're getting a bit, in, a bit Aussie-centric, but David Gallup used to be the CEO of the NRL and he pretty much, his job was to front press conferences after players had done something <laughs> stupid. And the poor guy, by the end of it, he just looked dead. And anyway, he went on, he left and then became over to soccer, became the head of Australian soccer. 
And in that time, I've never seen a man smile so much because his press conferences are another sold-out game, it's another like, sold, Australia qualifies for the World Cup. He's like Benjamin Button. He's just looking great. He is. It's like you take the stress out of NRL <laughs> and then you just do it. I mean, that, so there you go. If you're a 17-year-old kid and you want to look older so you can get an ID, get a job as publicity <laughs> man for the NRL. It'll prematurely age you. Oh, NRL, but there you go. But for me, it's been it's been a tough week for me actually. I I said goodbye to my grandpa this week. Um, pop, my pop passed away. Um, Sorry to hear it, man. Oh, thank you, mate. But it was it's weird because normally when like my pop died at ninety one. Now that yeah, I'm getting everyone coming up. Oh, it was a fair age. It was a fair age. But to me, I don't think it, I think he had a few more years. I reckon he was looking for ninety six. <laughs> well, this when I was born, I there was a story in the local paper because. I was the fifth living generation of my family. So it was me, my dad, my pop, his dad, which would be my great-grandfather, and his grandmother. So I, I, my great-grandmother died when I was eight. So I remember meeting my great-grandmother. She wow. lived to 105. So I think, you know, I, I got ripped off 14 years without my pop. I think yeah. he didn't make it. I but met if you, the pop at the Sydney Comedy Festival. Great you, bloke. No, that was my dad. Oh, was it? <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Williamson. Yeah, oh, he has silver hair. But um, the thing is, like, I realise, like, it's pretty sad because I've lost... That was... Do you have your grandparents? No, or? they're all gone, unfortunately. They're gone. Have you ever had to ha- deliver a eulogy? No, and if I did, it would be fucking tragic. It's... I had to... I've had to do three eulogies now. One of my mates and both my grandparents. And my nan, it was a really good, easy eulogy to deliver. And if anyone's ever... If you ever have to do a eulogy, it's it is tough. If, but if my wife died, I would definitely say, "Take my wife, please." <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I don't think you can deliver a eulogy from bail. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> the suspect today. <laughs> they don't bail the suspect. <laughs> Lester Diamond is on Tinder, ladies. We should mention that. But now, like, I had to deliver the eulogy for my nan. My nan had dementia, and it was it was almost. This is sound cruel, but it was a relief that she went. Yeah. And so I delivered the eulogy. I had a couple of funny stories, a couple of heartfelt stories. It was all good. Now, my pop, he was a really tough one because cause he's 90. There wasn't that many people at the funeral. Like, there was only 30-odd, which is t- – it's good. it's good for an open mic night, but not for – He wouldn't have his A friends because his friends are all deceased. Well, his motto in life was – I said, like, a couple of years back, one of his mates died, and I said, you going to his funeral? Probably goes – What's the point? He's not going to come to mine. <laughs> so you live by the sword, you die. But I had to give the speech, and it was really tough because I was quite upset. I had, I was, there were tears, and I, as I stepped up, I had all these stories because my pop was, he was a stand-up comic who never found his way to the stage. He lived to make jokes, and I had all these jokes, and I sort of started off, I got a bit of a laugh, and you start to, but I had to stop it before it turned into a roast. <laughs> like, it's that moment, like, you know, like, most, like, it got a few laughs, like, everyone loves it. But then it's like, you know, some of my older relatives are like, well, what are you doing? But these are some of the stories. And I, I might share them because they need to live on. My pop was legally blind. Like, he lost his eyesight. I think for the last 20 years he's been blind. But he knew every day he walked from his house to the shops, which was about a kilometre. Now, he knew the way. He'd done it a 100 times. He was fine. Because he was blind, he didn't want the world to know because he was worried about getting robbed. So he never had a cane. You just saw this old man shuffling along. You wouldn't have known he was blind. And one day he was down at the shops and this lady tapped him on the shoulder. And she said, excuse me, sir, I don't see that well. 
would you give me a hand crossing the road? (laughs) And he did. It was the blind leading the blind. And, I mean, neither of them were hurt, thank God. And the 15 cars in the pile-up behind him, they didn't hurt either. But I said, that was my opener. And there was, yeah, but that was, I mean... Then I just love the fact that he actually helped a blind lady across the road. <laughs> but the other one, and this is probably one of my favourite, like when I was about 13, we went round to one of my cousin's house and my pop, every time he was going to say something silly, he'd sort of give you a wink like, watch this, this will wind things up. And we go in there and it was me, my sister, my nan, uh, the female cousin was there, her husband was ironing his shirts in the corner and... My pop walks in, looks at him and goes, geez, Bob, five women in the house and you've got to iron your own shirts? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, he's like, enter on a high note, I'm done. That's my day. But it's just it. So I'm assuming he was an old school chap. Oh, he was. He was very, it's funny, he was old fashioned in some ways, but not in others. Like, yeah, like he, he genuinely, like he ironed his own shirts himself. He didn't mind, but... He just liked the getting the wind up on that sort of things. The other thing my pop did, he worked all his life from, like, he had a few, but he worked 40 years for the one company. He worked for the Cadbury's Chocolate Factory, and he was in charge of roasting all the nuts. Like, and he was actually, his official title, I wish he had a business card, but they didn't have him back in the day. He was head of the nut room. <laughs> that was his job title. He was boss of the nut room. He was in charge of all the nuts, and it was quite, it was quite appropriate. But that, see, there were the stories I showed, but then there were other stories like, you know, when, yeah, they tell you and you can't really, it was, it was tough. If you open up the eulogy with this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, this guy. It's like, who is this again? You know, do a bit of crowd work and all that. <laughs> Where are you from? But do you remember like, and this is, sorry, it's getting in, I know it's a comedy podcast, but it's getting into maudlin territory. Do you remember the first funeral you had to go to? Yes. Well, well if you don't mind me, are you cool talking? Grandfather when I was five. Five? Five, I think. Well, that's a bit early. See, I... Six, maybe. Okay. And so your parents just brought you along. Did they explain what was going to happen? Yeah. Or? I was already watching Prisoner at fucking oh, six, cool, three yeah. nights a week, you know. See, this is the thing. I, my first funeral was when I was six, 17, and it was one of my mates at school. Now, people think this is stupid. I I was pretty upset. I mean, I was. it was one of, like, my close mates, and... I, I just didn't know what to expect. And I remember rocking up. It was at the school chapel on a Saturday. So to me, like that chapel, we go there once a week. I was ready. For, I thought, oh, I'll just be another church service. And I remember when we walked in, I didn't know that the coffin would be there. And it freaked me out. Like I see the coffin and then in my head I go, hang on. Yeah. He's in there. And that up. freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. And even this one, like, pop, I know, like this, I've, sadly I've been to too many funerals. Um, and like when my pop's... I went in and I saw, I, I get teary when the funeral, just that whole concept that they're there. It just I don't freaks like, me out a I bit. I don't like the, the, um, the practice of carrying the coffin on the shoulders, the pallbearers. Like, I, I prefer when it's already there when you rock up. Because well, I, just like, I, just, I just picture, especially with my family, someone just fucking tripping over. And like <laughs> well, we, um, we had to, like with my nan and pop, when we're, like my nan, sadly my nan died in November, my pop died in February, so they're very close apart. And I remember getting down, because my parents are Tasmanian, so I had to fly down. I remember on the day of my nan's, I said, Dad, what are we going to do for pallbearers? And he's like, oh, don't worry, it's all taken care of. And I said, oh, do I have to carry? He goes, no, no, no. The reason he didn't want to do it was, we've got a cousin, Paul, and he's a lovely guy, but he's very clumsy and awkward. (laughs) And the thought of him carrying our nan, you just know he'd drop it. Like, it's, so we're just like, well, we won't do it. But yeah, I agree with you, like, 
one of the funniest slash saddest things I ever saw was at a funeral. Um, my cousin Tony. Yeah, I know. Funerals, great source of material. Uh, my cousin Tony. Oh, not my cousin. My mum's cousin Tony. He passed away at 58, which is pretty young. So we're just going to have to pause for a second. Hello. Hey. No, that's okay. Oh, we're just recording a podcast. Oh, good. I'll talk to you in about 10. <laughs> there you go, ladies and the venue owners just come in to say, what are these guys doing in the green room? <laughs> or, or was that our cocaine delivery? <laughs> I don't know. You, you have an extensive writer. But anyway, I'm getting distracted. He died at 58, and he, he was really sad because he had four sons. And it, that would, as you were, your dad dies, you're absolutely devastated. And the four sons were going to be pallbearers, and they're all lining up, they're getting ready. And at the last minute, his youngest son was tapped on the shoulder by the pallbearer and sort of said, you're a bit too short, mate. Get out. And he got bumped from carrying oh his own dad. God. It was like my dad had to step in and carry it. Like my dad's like, why am I being the pallbearer? Because it was like you had to, it was almost like you had to be this tall to ride the ride. He should, he should have been in the middle with his hand up holding it up. Well, it was because he was on the front too. Like that. Why do they carry him on the shoulders? That's what, like, couldn't, they all have handles. Oh, I suppose there is a chance dodgy, dodgy worksmanship. Well, I think we can ask the future guest friend of the show, White Lady Funerals, about that. Yeah, we should, we should White Lady Funerals, if you're out there, you want to sponsor us. That'd be. <laughs> No, I don't. I, I don't know about you. I'm petrol. I am afraid of. What's what's your number one fear? Um, claustrophobia, death. I would have I would have picked success. Really, but <laughs> <laughs> you've avoided it thus far. <laughs> claustrophobia. I've got a pretty good handle on avoiding that. Yeah, that's true. What well, like what? How how tight a situation for claustrophobia? Like, is an elevator? Do you get freaked no, no, out? No, 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 no. Just like say you had to like crawl through a. A pipe or something like Shawshank Redemption or something like that. Oh, okay, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. The, the feces would stop me from doing that. Yeah, but well, that's a second uh, issue. <laughs> yeah, so you're clearly not afraid of being sodomized in prison, <laughs> but put you in a pipe. Buddy. I see that as a perk. Well, actually, you got to say I'm not. I got to mean I'm not fat. Like my parents' new house, they got a unit, and underneath there's like a crawl space to get stuff, and I don't like going under there, but I would if I had to. So I'm close. See my. My, I've got my two biggest fears are spiders and death. And death is by far my number one fear. And what I think, I don't know, like, I've always been afraid of it because like, I'm a petrified, like, I've got too much to do to die. You get so much experience on stage, I don't understand. <laughs> I know. I, I follow Lester Diamond. <laughs> Everyone dies. Some people kill, Lester dies. But yeah, the whole thing, like, death genuinely, and you know what used to scare the crap out of me as a kid? Well, You're an old school WWE slash F fan. Remember, do you remember when The Undertaker made his debut? Yeah, I certainly do. The Undertaker, go back, ladies and gentlemen, intro, just go Undertaker's debut. The Undertaker is a wrestler who, back in the 90s, wrestling was a bit more cartoonish. And The Undertaker, it was, he was undead. And he, was, he used to come to the ring in the funeral march. He locked, a, like he nailed Yokozuna into a coffin. And that freaked me out. That was terrifying times. Yokozuna, what did he die at 36? Yeah, yeah, he did actually. How's that? How's that? The, uh, the the wellness policy going, Vince? <laughs> well, he died. No, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal up for you there. Yokozuna, ladies and gentlemen, was a Samoan guy who played a sumo wrestler, and he was 500 pounds, which I think translates to about 300 kilos. The WWE, like he had to be big to be a his gimmick. Let's just say he wasn't in the lean cuisine. I don't think he did steroids. I think he did more like chicken, fried chicken. Oh, yeah, he did taro. <laughs> no, the WWF, to their credit, they sent him away to a health farm to lose weight. And when he couldn't lose weight, they gave him a couple before letting him go because he couldn't legally wrestle. Because to, to wrestle, you have to qual like you have to, at that stage, you had to, your blood, 
you had to do you had to qualify you had to be fit they didn't want someone dying well you didn't want someone dying in the ring like you have to which is a good chance I mean he didn't die in the ring I think he died in London on a tour yeah but yeah like he died at a young age from obesity so there you go it's a happy podcast yeah I know we're, we're gone from death to wrestling deaths that's pretty good have you got any other topics anything any well you you steer it's the North, it's the North Shore right um how many four-wheel drives per capita do you think are here? Hey, man, I caught the bus here tonight. These, those potholes are pretty deep. I'd need a four-wheel drive to do that. Come on, man. It's just, when, I, when I was growing up, four-wheel drives were like a Lewin Brothers thing. They were like Nissan Patrols. They were giant things. Now, they're just like hatchbacks on big wheels. Yeah, that's true. They have evolved. But yeah, you're right. Like As a kid, the only person I knew who had a four-wheel drive was our neighbour, and he was a geologist, so he's driving all around the state, and he actually needed it. But then I remember, like, a couple of years ago, my dad was a rep, and he had to go a little off-road, not much. He had a four-wheel drive. And, I mean, yeah, it's a – I've never – have you you drive, don't you? Yeah, I drive a, um, a very manly Suzuki Chino. <laughs> now, you're, you've got a pretty – yours is a compact car. Very compact. How is it, like, driving that? Have you ever driven a four-wheel drive? Um I don't think I have physically driven one. I've ridden many, but um, no. I think so I imagine it'd be hard to park. It'd be, or well, is it just a case? I, I mean, a four-wheel drive. I don't care. Man. I've always been a hatchback man. Really? Mm. Always? Is it? If if say you know we relieved you of some of your debt and gave you a free car, <laughs> would you would a hatchback be your weapon of choice? <laughs> I say weapon of choice because <laughs> vehicular manslaughter is a charge I see in your future. <laughs> weapon of choice, but yeah, no, so. You you purposely choose a hatchback, or it was well, more. Yeah, this is my price range. Good on fuel, good for the environment. The chicks don't dig it. Well, mind um, you, it fit, you got a washing machine in the back of your car. That's true. That's true. I've I've I remember that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, for a hatchback to get a washing machine, that's a fair effort. That's the thing. See, you probably fit more in a hatchback than you would in these four wheel drives. That's true. But then again, you get your three kids, your Labrador. All they need is, yeah, three kids, like um, a few diamond rings. Um. A soccer ball. The kids got to have a soccer ball. No dirt on the soccer ball. But what about, they call them, like, we have grew up four-wheel drives. Americans call them SUVs. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a branch of law and order, isn't it? It's a law and order SUV. But sports utility vehicle. Do you think, because that's one thing, like, it's starting to seep in here. People are starting to call them SUVs. Yeah. But then I suppose because now we've got cars that are normal that are four-wheel drive. So I blame the internet for American culture coming in here. I was having... I blame, it's TV before that. Yeah, but I mean, people were now speaking their vernacular like stupid. Stupid. Yeah. You're stupid. It gives me the shits. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, I've never thought of stupid. I don't like... But then again, I'm guilty of it. Like, douche. Douchebag. Yeah, you douche, oh, That's come into my vernacular. As soon as somebody starts um, fucking um, saying tomato, it's over. Tomato. Tom- <laughs> I remember in year nine, I got in trouble. We are in history class, and the teacher's like, Williamson, because I was a private school. They called us by the surname. So it'd be like, Diamond. Spells... Actually, I'll give you the test. Spells Zolverine. Lord Zolverine. Just start spelling it. Z O L. So you would have got it. I go, I go, Z O, and he goes, no. And I go, Z O, no. And then he goes, Bender, spells Olverine. Z. I'd grown up just assuming it was Z. And I got, like, yeah. The teacher was like, this is, this guy, I should, he was a bit of a dick that day, but this is probably one of the best teachers we ever had. Because he was in his 60s at the time. 
He was not married. He'd been at a private school all his life. And I remember it was before the Royal Commission and before <laughs> Crazy Joe took on no, a no, no, no. He, ne- he never, not the, no, he never, he didn't appear in the Royal Commission for that. Um, well, well, but someone once asked him, Sir, Mister, I can't, I can't think of his name. Um, oh, yeah, that bugs me. I can't remember my history teacher's name. But someone said to him once, "It's like, Sir, why were you never married?" And this is to a room of Year Nine boys. He goes. Why buy the book when you can go to the library for free? <laughs> That's a good teacher. Spent a lot on prostitutes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, because I'm a homosexual. No, no. I, never, I, I don't think he might have been. I don't know. Maybe just maybe just never found the right woman. It sounds like the type of guy who would say homosexual. Homo. <laughs> Spell homosexual. H. No. <laughs> Isn't it funny though? Like in the olden days, you know, an old bachelor like that was, you know, there were yeah. suspicions. He had a flatmate. Yeah. The um, <laughs> we had a teacher that used to say all the time, just little, little grammar Nazis back in the day. Someone would say, "Oh, Miss, can I go to the bathroom?" She, I don't know if you can or not, but you may. And, oh. everyone, and everyone would go like, "Oh, fuck off!" Or it's like, "Oh, hey, can I borrow a rubber?" Oh, I don't have any condoms, but would you like an eraser? <laughs> It's like, fuck off. A rubber is an array. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, I'm in year nine maths class. I want a fucking condom. I'm going to fuck my desk, you fucking prick. I, uh, yeah, I re- yeah, I hated that shit. What else did you hate about school? Fuck what was your favourite lesson? Um, I had this d- cool dude taught business studies. He used to own a commercial nursery and he's like an old, old football player. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. Max Cabin. He grow dope? No. He's, he, was, um, he, was, he was on the level. So you say that, we had in year nine, one of our, our deputy head, no, in junior school, like year six, our deputy headmaster, and I lived him for one year because he's a fucking prick, he was a former all black. Really? Yeah, like he was, I won't name his names because we can Google, that one would probably be Googleable. Googleable? Yeah, Google, Google? <laughs> it won't be pronounceable. Yeah, no, it won't pronounce, yeah. But he was like very aggressive, very, he was a big guy, I mean obviously he's an all, all black, and yeah, he was just very aggressive, he was a dick. I don't know. I didn't like PE teachers. Did you? PE teachers had AFL shorts. Yeah, they wore all year. Like we grew, uh, you grew up in Newey, I grew up in Tassie. They wore shorts all year round. <laughs> but I had actually an incident a couple of years ago. I was doing a little bit of a temp work at this company that trains people. And my old PE teacher walked in in a suit. And you know when... I knew him straight away, and I was just like, this isn't right. Why are you in a suit? And <laughs> Caught. I just, I didn't say anything because I'm like, I just don't want to deal with this situation. But I remember going and tweeting, it's like, my old PE teacher comes in. Um, is it wrong if I throw a dodgeball at him? Say, sir, look what you taught me. But I didn't. I didn't, I didn't do the confrontation, but yeah. See, I'm like, I'm old enough to have the, like, the PE classes in our school were like the 80s calisthenics, you know? Like everybody in a line, star jumps, and like oh, really like, things like dodgeball just didn't exist in my day. We're the same age, dude. We're yeah, the same age. Like in my, my school, then. that's amazing. Like for us, I mean, our PE twice a year. You'd it, have it was like a Soviet training camp for the Olympics. Wow, like that was the, that was the, like the stuff of exercise. Did you see? We did. We had like you had fitness testing twice a year, which I fucking hated. <laughs> then you had gym. You had to do a gymnastics unit. Dodgeball was quite common. Normally, if it was like, say we were out to do running and it was raining, dodgeball would be your go-to activity. And I was quite good at dodgeball because I played water polo, so I had a pretty good arm. Did you really? Yeah, I'm pretty, like, wow. dodgeball, I can I can throw a ball. 
can't really duck, run, or hide. If I don't catch that ball, I'm out. But you give me the ball. Odds. What, what did you think of the documentary Ben Stiller made about the sport? <laughs> I live. It's my life motto. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Well, my life motto is you can throw a wrench, you don't need a ball. That was, that's a good movie, Dodgeball. I love it, yeah. There's surely, it must be due for a sequel or a remake. That's the thing. Speaking of fucking hanging on too long, Dumb and Dumber 2, right? I liked it. I haven't seen it, but I mean, fucking 20 years till the sequel? You're kidding, aren't you? Yeah, it was, they went a bit too long, but especially because Jeff Daniels is in one of my favorite shows at the moment, The Newsroom. He's playing a really serious role and he's really good. And then you see him in Dumb and Dumber 2 and he's really good in that, but it's, Dumb and Dumber 2, they are too old for what they're doing. Dumb and Dumber come out in 94, for Christ's sake. But I mean, what's, what, is that the longest time between sequels? Well, what about the author, To Kill a Mockingbird? That's She's come up with a se- all right, there's got to be... Se- you don't just go 40, 50 years and then go, oh, I've got another novel sitting here. She must have a gambling problem. Is that any, any excuse why she needs the dirt? I reckon she, the mind's going and someone's said, someone with the inheritance has sort of said, oh, mum, just sign this. Oh, 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 I didn't say mum. I alluded to it. I don't even know. It's, it's a classic novel. It's not the babysitter. Have you read it? Yeah. I haven't. It's great. film's great too. Oh, is this a film? What isn't it about like Africa uh, integration or something? Yeah, or? it's like a... Um, a, a white lawyer helps out a black guy. See, I was hoping the sequel would be How to Actually Kill a Mockingbird. But if it was like um, a sequel starring Martin Lawrence dressed up as like a white chick or something. <laughs> That's what you... <laughs> wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be funny if the author of like... It's probably one of... It's in the top 50 books of all time, isn't it? Like it's liter- classic literature. Yeah, it's up there with... It's, um, it's, it's up there with Picture Magazine. It's up you know, there with... Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, Lester's classics. But wouldn't you imagine like... Imagine she's sitting at home... She's had writer's block for 50 years and all of a sudden she's watching White Chicks and she goes, yes, yes. <laughs> and that's what the motivation <laughs> She goes, dear Martin Lawrence, thank you. I don't know. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit sus. I think it's a bit sus too. Um, yeah. But oh, are you going to read it? No. No. <laughs> no. Just wait for the movie to come. Do you reckon, I reckon she would have sold the movie rights. If it comes on a, on a, um, a YouTube clip sent over Facebook, maybe I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> Just wait till someone tweets it. <laughs> to Kill a Mockingbird Part 2 in one. I'll read the review games. on Twitter. Worst movie ever. <laughs> worst, worst, the worst book ever. Well, there you go. So you're, like, you're waiting for twi- everything to come to Twitter. Well, Lester, we're, it's almost an hour to showtime. Are you ready, mate? I've got to do some push-ups. I've got to do some... Some backflips. I like that you're drinking the energy drink straight away. Um, that's good. Any energy drink companies out there that want to sponsor us, talk to us. We're willing to be sellout. If there was a personality drink, I'd be drinking that as well. But. Oh, sorry. Well, there is. It's called it's called rum. <laughs> um, come on, you can be the, uh, an average. Ru- you can be a rugby league player if you want to. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, Lester, thank you for hanging out before you gig, getting that nervous energy in podcasting. Always my pleasure, man. So for those who want to hear your review of tweets of To Kill a Mockingbird Part 2, they can follow you on Twitter at... Lester Diamond 28. And you can follow me on Twitter at MW double underscore OH. Follow Comedy on Edge on Twitter at Comedy on Edge or check out comedyonedge.com. If you're in the Lane Cove area and want to see some comedy, the second Thursday of every month, we're taking March off starting April. Come to Zargo Bar in Lane Cove. Check out zargo.com.au for tickets. You see great lineups. Tommy Dean and Subby tonight. I think our lineup for April is Mikey Robbins and Simon Kennedy. So check it out. And thank you guys for listening. If you're on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Or heck, if you've read the new book about To Kill a Mockingbird, write your thoughts in the comments thing and Lester will respond. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for listening. And Lester, hit the music. Beep.